0: I wonder if you can help me out. As we look this afternoon, um, we're going to look at a a mission statement. A mission statement from this man, Jesus, who we've heard about, who we've sung about, who three people have professed to to follow, to put their trust in and to walk after. And we've watched that and witnessed that. But I want to see if you guys can uh, recognise some other mission statements. Because really, mission statements are only good if they're recognisable, and if people follow them through. So whose mission statement is this? To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighbourhood at a time. So I'll read it again. I'll read it again. To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighbourhood at a time. Any guesses? PG tips, good. In the right area, Costa but wrong. Costa What's that? Costa Coffee. Costa Coffee, very close. Starbucks. Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> overreaching, some might say. What about this? To organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. <laughs> Google. Somebody said Google. Yes, Google, not WikiLeaks. Thanks, Rich. <laughs> this one's really short. Spread ideas. That's TED, as in TED Talks. Spread ideas. Very to the point. One last one. To be the Earth's most cons- customer centric company where customers can find and discover anything they might, might want to buy online. Amazon. Amazon. There we go. Anybody get four out of four? Uh, We just heard Steve read to us the mission statement or a mission statement of Jesus. This man who was a human, who walked this earth 2,000 years ago. Do you hear what his mission statement was? Let me read it to you again. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is a mission statement of Jesus. And the question is, always, does it ring true? Does Jesus fulfil his mission to call not the righteous but sinners? We could argue about the success of those other companies. I'm not sure how many people would think that Starbucks are inspiring and nurturing the human spirit. It does seem like a stretch. But does Jesus call sinners and not the righteous? We're going to look at that mission statement together for the next few minutes. And we're going to use two questions just just to guide us through it as we look at it. Here they are. What sort of leader do we want? And then secondly, what sort of people are we? The background to this is that Jesus has called a man called Levi or Matthew to follow him. Crowds have been drawn in by the combination of Jesus' powerful preaching, his authority challenging nature and the wondrous works that he's been doing. If you've never come to church before, or if you've never read the Bible, you can read about the events of Jesus' life in four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And people were being drawn to this man, Jesus, like moths to a flame. And Mark tells us how amidst all these crowds that are following Jesus, Jesus singles out one man who's not following. He paints a picture of all these crowds surging towards Jesus and one man sat at his desk. And Jesus seemingly picks him out of the crowd and says follow me. And this man Levi gets up and follows. And then we find Jesus at this man Levi's house, sat around with Jesus's many followers eating together. But not only are Jesus's many followers there, there are people who are like Levi. People who who others are going to look at with a slightly raised eyebrow people who have dishonourable reputations, people who have low social standing. Maybe immediately to you there comes a a certain type of job or a certain type of person or maybe an individual who you would think of like that. Somebody who, if you saw the Queen hanging out with, you would go, that doesn't feel right. That's uh, one of you stretching, one of you's uh, uh, reaching there a little bit. And around the table are sat religious leaders, Jewish religious leaders. And they look at Jesus and they think to themselves, if he's hanging out with people like that, and if he's eating with people like that, and if he's treating them like equals, what does that say about Jesus? So here's our first question. What sort of leader do we want? The Labour Party are going through their seemingly annual cycle at the moment of questioning their leader. The Labour Party seem to be endlessly questioning what sort of leader do they want? What about us? What sort of leader do we want to follow? And what sort of leader is Jesus? I think broadly there are probably two types of famous and successful people that, that others follow there are those type one who always seek to portray themselves in a good light they parade their achievements they show off their famous friends they delight to be seen and to be known they want to be pictured with celebrities. They want it to, to be known about the events that they are invited to, the social circles in which they uh, sit. They are serial name droppers. And it's maybe you're already thinking of individuals. Maybe we can think of politicians who would go, this, that's exactly what they are like. But we only find people like that in, in one area of life. We find those sort of people seeking to be the biggest fish in the largest pond that they can still be the biggest fish in. So be that in the school playgrounds or at work, business, on social media or or even in the church. And here's the thing, leaders like that can be attractive. They look the part they look as though, well, they have got it all together. I want to follow somebody who's like that. But often leaders like that, as they surround themselves with people who, who build them up and build up their brand, they use those people. until so they can climb a bit higher. They may be full of the soundbites of equality and, and compassion. But those sound bites cover up the real bites that they do to to those that they are using and abusing. But there's another type of leader. One who is equally and actually far more admirable and yet a lot less glamorous. This leader is not found with the celebrities, but he's found or she's found with the nobodies. When you see their photograph in the paper... They're the only one mentioned because the other people are not deemed worthy enough to get mentioned in the little uh, header under the photo. This type of leader doesn't uh, just make people feel special just for their own ends. Actually, they invest in people and they care for people and they stick around. These are the sort of people who know where they've come from. And they don't lose contact with those who they used to know, who they used to be around more. People who showed genuine affection, genuine encouragement to others. I heard one person talk about this week. Think about, back in the day, Princess Diana and Mother Teresa. One famous and who everybody wanted to be like. And one who was famous and, in a sense, nobody wanted to be like. One who hung out with and married royalty. And one who hung out with nobodies and served and loved. What or who do we want in our leaders? The celebrity leader who is shiny and popular, or the leader who is found to be getting their hands dirty, who runs the risk of being guilty by association in the court of public opinion. Actually, the type of leaders we want reveals a lot about the type of hearts that we have. What do we want? Who do we want to be like? In this short little account that Steve read to us, we find that Jesus is that second type of leader. He doesn't fear his reputation being sullied by being sat around with people of low social standing. He's not driven by the, the likes, the social media likes or the approving nods of the religious leaders who are sat around. He's not editing his guest list depending on what other people think. No, Jesus is the type of leader who sits and eats with and calls all sorts of people. All sorts of people. And he's happy to be associated with the very worst of humankind. And we could look on and go, what's in it for Jesus? Nobody thinks better of him for this. This is not going to help him with his political campaign if he wants to run for the mayor of Jerusalem. But this is what we find time and time again. Who is Jesus spending time with the lowest of the low? How What Mark describes is he tells us about this life of Jesus as tax collectors and sinners. Jesus associates with the lowest and we see a glimpse of it here and as this story unfolds we see it more fully because Jesus in his life and then in his death and in his resurrection ties himself to the very worst. Ian described what baptism is what a symbol is of being joined to Jesus in his death and resurrection. But we can only do that by faith because Jesus ties himself to humanity. The story of the Bible is of a God coming down, stepping into this world, taking on humanity fully and forever for the sake of the lowest of the low, of the worst criminals. And more than that, The worst people who have turned their back on God. People like, well, people like Levi. People like James and Nicola and Caleb. People like me. People like you. This is who Jesus is. This is the type of leader that he is. He is a God who lowers himself for the good of others. And if he does that, the question is then, well, what sort of people are we? Because we can read this story and we can look at Levi and maybe we can look at James and Nicola and maybe and, and Caleb and we might not say this to their face. But we might think, well, they might need it, but I'm all right. They're obviously worse than they look. But I'm okay. What sort of people are we? And Jesus gives a a little illustration. He talks about sick people. He says it's sick people that need to go to a doctor. And we understand that, don't we? Only sick people go to a doctor if they can get an appointment. But those who are well, they don't. You can go for years and not go to the doctor if you're feeling okay. So the question is, well, what about us? Do we need a doctor? Are we the sick in this picture? Are we righteous or sinners? Well, let's listen and learn from our baptism candidates. Think of Caleb. Think of a teenage boy who suffered from anxiety and hardship at school. And in his own words, somebody who needed his sin to be forgiven. Think of Nicola's description of not knowing her true self. Not knowing who she was. So listen to that. It's like that describing of a lostness. Suffering. Sadness. And sin. A recognition in those people, that there was something that stood between them and God. Suffering, sadness and sin, an unbelievably potent triple cocktail. So we could learn from them, but we could also learn, I think, from the experience that we've had in the the last 18 months of COVID. Perhaps you're sat there and you're thinking, I don't think I've got a need for Jesus. I'm okay. Actually, to be honest, I'm pretty good. I'm not one of those people you were describing, one of those first type of leaders. I, I care for people. I love people. I'm, I'm genuinely a, a quite a moral person. But one of the things that we've learned in the last 18 months from COVID is to use the word asymptomatic. That people can have had this coronavirus and show absolutely no outward signs. Be completely unaware of the fact that they are infected. As the religious leaders look across the room at Jesus talking to, to Levi and these other people. They look across and see people with symptoms. People who have questionable jobs. People who have got failed relationships. People who don't belong to the right social groups. People who have failed But they only see the outward. And even then, they only see some things. They don't see the things in other people that would convict themselves. Do our circumstances, our wealth, our postcode, our clothes, our upbringing, our neighbours, our good deeds, blind us from seeing the true sickness that we have? Are we looking round and metaphorically seeing other people coughing or losing their sense of smell and taste and therefore are blind to the fact that we too are infected? The Bible is going to say, yeah, we are blind to the true reality that we don't sit in a righteous category. Not before God, not with God's standards. Actually, we sit in the other category. Sinners. Those who have turned from God. Those who are blind to God's ways and God's goodness. And even by our own standards fall short of what we expect of other people. But maybe we do see some of the symptoms. And we just don't recognise the true problem. Maybe we can empathise with some of the, the things described in those testimonies. The sadness and difficulty of of life. Maybe you're aware of guilt. Maybe you've got regrets about things that you have done or said or not done and not said. To other people, let alone to God. Maybe you're carrying about a sense of shame and you're all too aware of your failings. What sort of people are we? It's a crucial question to answer. But here's Jesus' mission statement. He didn't come to call the righteous. He came to call sinners. He came to call people like James and Nicola and Caleb and maybe you. Jesus is still in the business of calling people. As we hear Jesus' mission statement this afternoon, we have seen evidence that he's still doing it. That he is fulfilling his outline statement of intent. Jesus is saving people and calling people. Sinners. James said in his testimony... That he wanted to be a part of it. That he was seeing something of the realness, the reality of, of following Jesus. And he said, I'm in. This is it. There is somebody who is doing what he said. Calling sinners and saving sinners. Sinners. And so as I finish up this afternoon, I want to encourage you to trust in Jesus, the great doctor who heals those who come to him. And I want to say one more thing. It was so good to see Tom and Claire up there. I'm sure for James and Nicola, but for us as a church, not least because they are the evidence of how God is calling people through Jesus today. He uses his people. He uses the church to show the love of Jesus and to tell other people about Jesus. And it looks like being friendly to somebody in a soft play with your kids. It looks like showing love and kindness and compassion. It's unbelievably ordinary. Isn't it? Just... Getting alongside people, loving people, and then saying, hey, come to church. Come and hear about Jesus. Come and hear about what he's done for me. So I want to say to you guys, the church, REC, it's great that we've got visitors this afternoon. And if you're following Jesus, this is for you too. Just get on with it. Get on with showing the love of Jesus and telling other people about Jesus because Jesus' mission statement that he is fulfilling is that he is calling not righteous people, but sinners. And he still is. And we've seen the evidence of it. And he's going to keep doing it until one day Jesus returns. Let me pray. And then we're going to sing again of God's great love for us shown in Jesus. Father, we thank you for James and Nicola and Caleb, and we thank you for the countless other stories in this room that show that Jesus is fulfilling his mission statement to call sinners. Just like he called Levi, he has called us and said, I will heal, I will restore, I will save. Father, we pray, Lord, that even today you would be calling others. Maybe even this afternoon here. Father, thank you. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he has associated himself with us. And rather than us causing him to be look worse, Father, he has caused us to be far better. Father, we praise you for this great and wonderful mission statement. Lord, help us to live it out and to trust in it and to trust in Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.